Hi, Steve Arnberg here, and welcome to the New Life Live podcast. We hope to provide help and hope in your life through God's Word, counselors, and psychologists as we answer questions from listeners who call with the challenges of life. Let's go to today's episode. Hello, everybody. Do you know that it's Groundhog Day when we are recording this? And it always makes me think of those days that we repeat things over and over again. But I'm hoping (laughs) that the groundhog does whatever he has to do to bring a fresh spring. Uh, You know, we're here today. We're going to take your calls. I'm with Dr. Alice Benton and Mark Cameron. And I love the wisdom that our co-hosts bring. And this this uh, particular show, we're going to hear from Mark. Mark, what do you have for us today? Yeah, I want to talk about something that I see uh, where people get a particular place that people get stuck in therapy. Um, it's a term uh, called learned helplessness, um, where a person gets stuck in a state of inaction because they don't believe that they're powerful enough mm-hmm. to make a change. I see this a lot with people, particularly who have a pleaser type attachment. Mm-hmm. Um, they know what they should do, but they're just too fearful to do it. And uh, they end up uh, being somewhat like a co-pilot in their life, right? When you're waiting for somebody else to make the changes for you, mm-hmm. then you end up remaining powerless. Um, and so I, it, when somebody stuck like that, I really am trying to help them become an agent of change in their own life to, to empower them to be able to push through that mm-hmm. stuckness. But it, it's, a, it's a strong uh, place of resistance that happens to folks because fear. And it's, well, Mark, it's real too, right? right? Because they do, they get really stuck. I just talked to somebody the other day who she's like, well, I might as well give up because mm-hmm. I've tried everything and nothing works. Mm-hmm. Is that learned helplessness? That's exactly what learned helplessness is. It's this conditioning that you, you don't have the power to change your life circumstances. And so then you're waiting on everybody else to make changes for your life to get better. A part of the solution is accessing and processing a good, healthy anger and we can be fearful of anger, especially a lot of Christian women. We think we're not supposed to be angry. A good wife, a good daughter doesn't get angry. And that's not at all true. Jesus gives us some amazing examples of righteous anger used for good purpose. So being able to get angry at being stuck or even angry at the people that have mistreated us in our lives, and we can do that in the process of therapy, anger energizes. And so it can move us from stuck to action. Another surprising solution is uh, choosing to forgive the people that have hurt us and then actively blessing them, even if it's just in prayer. It's, it's one of God's solutions that uncouples us from the power perpetrators can hold over our mind and our heart and our lives. So all of these things can start to push us into action. Mm-hmm. Mark, do you have anything yeah, else? Yeah, no, to I, I love what you're saying there, Alice, about anger, because a lot of times people who have learned her, her helplessness believe tend to believe that anger is a bad thing but mm-hmm. anger is the lord's way of mm-hmm. helping us to have temporary courage to as you're saying make that action and and and, and it's the action and and, and seeing as uh, even if it's just a small success that you can build upon to see that you are powerful enough to change your life circumstances in my own process, there were lots of conversations that I needed to have, and yet I was too afraid to have them in real life. So I had to practice over and over again, just in, just in therapy, just with my counselor, to be able to, to mm-hmm. build the courage to then go into real life and have them outside. But that practice also can move us into being able to do what we couldn't do before. 
You know, a lot of times in learned helplessness, we need a strategy and a process. And one of the ways that we encourage people to do that is through recovery, because it is a process and it can get you unstuck. Um, You know, if that's something that you're struggling with, we've got a couple of great books. Take Your Life Back is one of those. And it it speaks directly to the recovery process of working your side of the street. But a lot of times that learned helplessness, and Mark, I quote you on this all the time, belief is an anchor, right? If you believe you're a victim, you're going to get stuck there and you are more than a conqueror and we can help you get along that path. Thanks for sharing that, Mark. I think you got us all thinking about the places we might be stuck. We're going to take calls right after this. To find out more information about New Life or to order any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. I just want to encourage you. um, We have the Intimacy and Marriage Weekend coming up or the Intimacy and Marriage Intensive, which is um, we're going to have our early bird discount that it ends today. So if you've been thinking about it, it doesn't matter how long you've been married. You know, we, we always need to be investing in our marriage and the Intimacy and Marriage Intensive is a great way to do it. I have a testimony that says in 47 years of marriage, I don't remember ever feeling this close and bonded to my husband. The love we thought was gone has been awakened and rekindled to better than before you know i and we we've had callers where you know they're into their fourth decade of marriage and they're wondering how do we have these meaningful conversations how do we do this next chapter of our life whether you are newly married or you have been around the block a few times intimacy and marriage is a great way to spend your weekend and it's better than Valentine's cards and flowers. So I just want you to uh, <laughs> check it out. Call us, 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Even if you're interested, we can give you some of the information right there. So we're going to go to the calls, and we are going to start with Kim, who's calling us from Canada and listens on SiriusXM. We love our Canadian friends. Hello, Kim. Thanks for calling today. How can we help you? Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm just wondering if you could help me just navigate the right, maybe appropriate role um, as we talk with our kids, um, oh. um, with our daughter and son-in-law, um, it just both came to us separately and shared infidelity, um, different ways, but still the same, um, a lot of hurt and uh, things we that have been going on for. They've been married ten years in August. It was will be, and um, and so we're just not sure we've been helping and giving resources and encouraging and um, we love them both very much. And our son-in-law came first, and we appreciate his honesty. And and our daughter seems a little bit. Um, Kind of the, it's just been a little more tough actually to talk to my own daughter, which maybe makes sense. Um, she's come to us, but not has been a little bit more hesitant than our son-in-law even to maybe even work on things. And um, and so, you know, how much do we say and in, in get involved, my husband and I, and and then when do we kind of just? And we've been praying all along, and when do we kind of back off, or do we? Mm-hmm. Mm. Kim, Kim, who was unfaithful? Um, it started with my son-in-law. Was um, it was 
my the way my daughter put it was um, pornography, addiction, and calling lines. And this, I guess, happened the first time, you know, like two years into their marriage. Um, and then, of course, the hurt. And um, he he said he didn't feel connected to her, which of course, <laughs> and um, all that. And but we never knew about that. We never could help them. Um, they never shared that. And um, and then it happened again. And so then my my daughter explained it as just kind of um, it was just better not to talk about it anymore. It was she just let things go and they just went on with their life and had a baby and um, it was easier that way than trying to confront and be on top of mm-hmm. and um, and then um, so she didn't know if it was happening or not and then um, so now fast forward um, she just said we can't go on like this anymore. Um, and, and that was around Christmas time, and so um, I guess then she had an emotional affair with um, someone we're from a very small town, mm. um, and uh, and so yeah, um, she's had an That's emotional hard. affair. I don't know. If, I don't know how how much further it's gone, um, and um, and that person has a family with little kids as well, and. Um, it's just getting, of course, <laughs> it's messy, and um, and so we've always told them our doors open. Um, you can come. I just, as a mom, it's just getting heavy. Yes, we yeah. we hear your tears. This is just breaking your heart to see, and you want to help in the most effective way you can. Are are they moving towards separation, divorce, or are they trying to get professional help? Well, uh, my son-in-law, he said he. He'll do anything to try to restore the marriage. Um, they've been, they've received many different resources for counseling and different things. We suggested, and again, we don't know if it was the right suggestion that he go ahead and make the first move um, to um, call and make the appointment and invite her to come. Um, but he can't make her, and she's kind of just indifferent. I, I don't even really know how to read her right now. Um, and Kim, so, Kim, do you yeah. know if she's broken uh, off the emotional affair? She says she has, mm-hmm. um, but of course, no. They both have trust issues on both mm-hmm. sides. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, yeah a, I don't, I'm not saying that she hasn't, but sometimes that that's a reason why people are hesitant right. to um, sure. make make the recovery efforts. This is a really complex situation um for them and and for you because the the betrayals are going both ways like you're saying the trust issues on on both of their parts um when when there are betrayals like this there's a specific type of therapy um that couples need to go through and they need to go through betrayal recovery um and it's a whole process of of learning to confess and 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 have a discovery period where you uh give a full disclosure and then also a, a trust building uh back approach which can take you know a couple of years to do mm-hmm. um but i'm hearing where you're stuck because you don't know how much you guys should be um involved uh in right. this i think I what- guess for my daughter my son-in-law has been very forthcoming mm-hmm. you know and um and and so my daughter's actually, I guess, in particular, that's where I don't know, as her mm-hmm. mom, do I keep <laughs> reaching out to her? You know what I mean? And, and kind of and asking very direct questions, or do I just assume what she's telling me is true and then just, like, I, I don't really know um, 
but she's been the least community, you know, and I'm, I'm afraid that, um, that maybe she didn't want to end the, the emotional affair. Um, things she, like that. And I she may not she, have wanted to. So I, I, I think yeah. what I would do is I would communicate to them that you love them and you care about them and you care about their family. And, and ultimately you'd love to see their marriage and the family completely restored. And, and I would communicate to her that you want to do whatever you can to help them. Um, mm-hmm. But you understand that they need to make the effort. So I, I would then offer, you know, whatever resources that you can offer. It sounds like they have been offered other resources, whether mm-hmm. that is um, just emotional support or if it's financially well, helping them pay for mm-hmm. a therapist. But I, yeah, I'm yeah. with you. And I, I would have your son-in-law uh, make the call, find somebody, let him be proactive. But he also needs to maybe get into individual counseling, too, to work on his right. pornography addiction. And that's going to well, help was- with the trust building. I was thinking, you know, he has to take the first step. Um, You know, it it can be very confusing when so much is blowing up like this. But I would, uh, your son-in-law could go to every man's battle. Down, We're going to be in Dallas in March, and it could be a life change for him because this is not something he's going to deal with on his own. You mentioned that you're in a small town, Kim, and so that can be challenging to try and find help. And yet... Mark is correct. You need specific help for this, but there are people who can um, begin that process and and get moving in the right direction. We also have the Restore Workshop. I'm naming all the intensives because, you know, it's it is the great way to get started on the healing process. But it could be Kim that you uh, watch the kids when they go to a, a babysitter's or or I mean to a counseling appointment or to an intensive. But Alice, what would you suggest for them? Well, Kim, I, I have three things I want you to consider telling your daughter. Even if they're a repeat, let her know how proud you are of her for ending the emotional affair. Just assume she's telling you the truth on that for now and, uh, and, and praise her for it. The next one's risky. But I would also acknowledge that it must have been difficult to end it because she probably felt cared for by him. And mm-hmm. we, we all know she wasn't feeling cared for by her husband as he was actively engaged with pornography for a, a long period of time, even if it was off and on. So I would give some sympathy to her, some empathy that it's tough to break away from somebody like, like that in the emotional affair. And then I would, I would, te- I would tell her that I notice hesitation, daughter, when, with, it, with you in communication with me. And I wonder what level of communication you want from me hear out her answer now her answer doesn't have to dictate what you do but but get curious about it and then I, I might offer her a couple of different options whether it's I really want to check in with you once a week or every other week what would work better for you but only give her two options that are okay with you because if she says don't don't talk to me at all you might not be able to agree <laughs> to that right now that wouldn't right. fit well with your right. conscience yeah okay. well and and last okay. but not yeah. least Kim, I would pray for them. If I know that you already are, um, and I would even let them know that you're praying for them. Mm-hmm. Just this is tough, and we don't know what the the end result will be. But we believe in the power of prayer. We believe in that power of the connection. Um, I I think I'm going to um, send you a copy of Intimate Deception: Healing the Wounds of Sexual yes. Betrayal for Your Daughter, and you can start there. But you can also have your son-in-law. Um, 
go to Every Man's Battle, or at least suggest it. Um, we'll give you the information. Just hold on. But we're so glad that you called us today, Kim. We'll be praying about that situation. We are going to go to talk with Jenny, and she's calling us from Philadelphia. Listens on WBYN. Hello, Jenny. Thanks for calling. How can we help you today? Hi. Um, my question is, I have an adult son who has been diagnosed with a uh, bipolar 1 disorder. Mm -hmm. And as he goes through these manic and depressive episodes, uh, it's just like a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm his main support person. Um, His dad died 13 years ago, and that actually triggered the first major episode. Yeah. Um, And anyway... um, I just was listening to your uh, your program talking about a life coach, and I'm ready to back off at being the life coach. Mm. I'm just, just I just want to be his mom. Mm. Jenny, do you I, does your son yeah. live with you? Not right now. There's times when um, he's extremely depressed, or mostly after he's been taken out of. Um, he, he's been taken into psychiatric mm-hmm. uh, hospitals six times in the last mm-hmm. 13 years. So, you know, when he loses his job and he can't pay the bills or just is so depressed that I need to keep an eye on him, um, he he has been in my home. That's, that's tough. It's tough when you are the main support person like you're talking about with him, Jenny. Um, and one last question, how old is he? He is 32. Okay. Is, right. is he married? Does he have a family? No, he's not married. Mm-hmm. Um, he has other brothers and sisters that sometimes jump in and give a hand or talk to him, talk him through stuff that he doesn't want to, you know, talk to me about. Um, just because sometimes he gets aggressive when he is manic and that just is not good for us i mean he just you know i have to step away and is he generally treatment compliant um he sometimes uh-huh. uh, right now he had he had an episode last october and had to be hospitalized and he was uh let out after two days because he went in voluntarily but he was still very manic and so for the last i'd say eight weeks eight to ten weeks um it's you know he has been cooperating going to an outpatient program um but now he's so depressed and i'm worried again so jenny as you want to back off from being his life coach how specifically can we help you well, I guess I just was wondering, I mean, what you're offering, is that something that would be good for him? Or does he just have to stay on the medication in order for him to even be cooperative? <laughs> well, like, Jenny, we, we, you can hear the music. We're going to take a quick break, but we're going to come yeah. back and answer that question. Um, I wrote a book with Steve about this, Understanding and Loving a Person with Bipolar Disorder. And you're right, Jenny, it is... It is a challenge to be the first in line to be that support person. Um, We'll send you a copy of that, but we're going to talk with you just a little bit after this because I know there are other people out there who have a loved one who have this disorder, and it can be challenging. But there is hope. We'll be right back after this. 
We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question or a comment, call toll-free 1-800-229-3000. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. We are talking with Jenny, and um, she has an adult son who has bipolar 1 disorder, and it can be so challenging when you are the go-to person. And uh, Jenny, you are that person right now. And I think your question is, how do I not be that person? How can I help him get some stability and get that connection? And you'd ask specifically about a life coach. Um, Mark, let's start with you. What would you suggest in this situation? Yeah, this is a challenging situation, Jenny, and I don't know if you listen to us much, but we we get this call quite regularly, I think, where um, it's particularly a mother feels like they're in the first-line responder role for uh, an adult son who has bipolar disorder. And, uh, you know, as you know, bipolar disorder is a mood disorder. And so it's not something that the person is choosing to have, but they have these big swings between these manic episodes and these depressive episodes. And so when they feel good in the manic episodes, they don't want to take the medication because they think that they're fine. Um, and that's the ch- that's the challenge because it is a mood disorder. They do need regular maintenance medication to kind of keep them at this, you know, more even baseline. Um, and so what I would say is try to get a commitment from him during a time when he's maybe between the manic and the depressive state to uh, be on a medication regimen. Um, but I think for you here, it, it, it's tough because you can't really maintain being in that role. Um, and I know that right. your your question here, I think, is how do I take myself out of that role and then have him uh, have 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 him get a coach so that he doesn't need me to be in that role? But I also wonder if maybe it's beneficial for you to seek some help to figure out how how do you function in that role, maybe from a counselor. Because you'll have to become less available Mm -hmm. to him. And that is horrifically painful as a mom, Mm -hmm. especially knowing that his father's death elicited some of the symptoms that he has. So to be able to start giving your son no's in certain areas, it's almost impossible for us moms to do unless we have a sisterhood around us that is helping us to decide where do we need to draw our lines. And so you may begin to strategize. I am willing to pay for a life coach for you. I'm willing to take you to uh, an appointment when you're medicated. I'm not willing to answer calls at all hours. I'm not able to provide financial support. I'm not able to be around you when you are not medicated. And you've got to figure out where those lines are. And then in, in one of his more moments of clarity to share those with him. But you need the sisterhood around you to be able to hold to your decisions when he's in chaos and he's in crisis. Because it's so difficult to say no or not be the one to go in and rescue him when he needs to be rescued. But you're right. You're, you're not the best one to rescue him. And so it's good to figure out how far to back, back away from him. And, and you're going to need people who understand this disorder. Um NAMI, mm-hmm. um, the National with, Alliance on Mental Illness. Thank yeah. you, Alice. Um, they they are, they offer support groups for uh, people who have a loved oh, one no. who has bipolar. Yeah, and 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 so that would be good for you, and it probably would be good for your son too to find a group that he could be in with others who have bipolar disorder. He may not be willing to accept outside help until he's lost enough of your help that he then feels the absence of it and feels the need. So be braced that as you back away, mm-hmm. he may not go get other help quickly. How does that so sound, I always say, Jenny? 
Well, every single thing that you have said, I have done. <laughs> I have support. I've gone to counseling. I've talked to him during the times when, you know, he seems like he's accepting to talk about it. Um, he just gets such bad side effects when he's on the medication, and I've seen it. It's horrendous, and it's bright, heartbreaking. Right. Um, it, yeah. Um, and I am in the process of trying to break away from the instinct of the mom stuff because it just tears me from I have other children I have grandchildren I can't just focus on one kid and um, I feel like I I am doing the stuff that is healthy and that I need to do but it is definitely a process especially when you know I am not available or going somewhere and I'm worried he yeah. might hurt himself well, and Jenny, you know, it always happens that when you're ready to go somewhere, something will come up, right? I mean, that's probably been yeah. your life for right. quite a few years. And I, when what I want you to consider, I'm so grateful that you've done all the work and my heart goes out towards you because it is a it's a journey you love him he is not a problem he is the he's your child and even though he's an adult this this illness is really all-encompassing and when you're looking for support I want you to be thinking about I need people like Alice was talking about for me as I go through this as opposed to what can I do about him and that alone Mm -hmm. that shift can make all the difference and it's going to be a long-term process as opposed to um, I'm going to get some kind of strategy and then I'll be done with this. And I, I'm sure that you have done everything. Um, you know, like I said, I talk about this in the book because it there is a never ending journey here. And I know that sounds so defeating, but in the worst situations, you have to know that you've done the best that you could that this illness is really a difficult journey, but we can get him the help, like, you know, if he's willing, but it also mm-hmm. is dealing with the disappointment that this is ongoing. But Jenny, we, we'll, we'll send you a copy of that. We're, we're going to pray for this situation as well. We'll get you in touch with a life recovery group that could be helpful as well. That may seem a little out of left field, but... Recovery helps us let go of the things that we cannot control. And when you have a loved one who has a mental illness like this, it can be challenging to let go of that. We're going to be praying for you, Jenny. Thanks for calling. We'll be right back after this. Today's podcast is brought to you by Club New Life supporters who give a monthly donation because they want to continue to offer help and hope in these very, very difficult places. To find out more about Club New Life, you can go to our website, newlife.com, or call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now, if you're new to us, we drop an episode every weekday. We would love it if you would rate or write a review, which helps more people discover help and hope and helps us share wisdom with as many people as possible. Now, let's listen to our counselors as they help people walk through life's hardest places. glad you joined us for New Life Live. To be a part of the program, call 1-800-229-3000. Now back to New Life Live. I'm Stephen Arterburn with a New Life Moment. 
When the philosopher and professor of ethics, John Cavanaugh, went to work for three months at the House of the Dying in Calcutta, he was seeking an answer about how to spend the rest of his life. His first morning there, he met Mother Teresa. She asked, and what can I do for you? And Kavanaugh asked her to pray for him. What do you want me to pray for? She inquired. He voiced his pressing burden. Pray that I have clarity. Mother Teresa firmly refused. When the bewildered Kavanaugh asked why, she said, clarity is the last thing you're clinging to and must let go of. When Kavanaugh commented that she always seemed to have clarity he longed for, she laughed and said, I have never had clarity. What I have always had is trust. So I will pray that you trust God. Are you having a hard time trusting? Visit me, Stephen Arterburn, at newlife.com. And thanks for listening to this New Life Moment. Wow. Becky, I mean, nobody throws a curveball like Steve. I know. <laughs> my goodness. Because I'm like, yeah, pray for clarity. I'm all about that. And then it's like, oh, no. And isn't that the truth? We do need to pray for trust. And we do need to increase our trust in the Lord and his ability to lead us. Wow. Thanks a lot, Steve. It just is pretty amazing. <laughs> well, we're going to continue going back to the calls, and we're going to talk with Tracy, who's calling us from Chesapeake, Virginia, listens on WPNH. Hello, Tracy. Thanks for calling. How can we help you today? Hello. Um, I'm just going through some grief right now. Um, my partner of 30 years passed away about three months ago. Oh. And I'm just having a hard time moving mm. forward. Mm-hmm. Well, um, oh, gosh. Yeah. Tracy, what, what happened? How did he die? He had cancer. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm just depressed. I'm a little depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, lost weight. Um, just feel lost. Lost and alone, really. Were you his Just caregiver as his cancer was progressing, Tracy? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, do you two have children together? No, we don't have any children together. Do you have children from another relationship? Yeah, he does. Okay. Well, he did. And you consider them your stepchildren? Yes, yes, okay. yes. So with this horrific loss and just feeling... Um, really uncertain, so sad, so lonely. How can we help you? Mm -hmm. I don't know. just need uh, some help just moving forward. Well, you know, it's a little early, Tracy, for moving forward, and that's the hard part about grief Mm -hmm. is you're really early into the process. And, you know, to the depth of our grief, it just is a reflection of Mm -hmm. how much we've loved. And that, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's why you're in this deep pain. But it is, mm-hmm. uh, when we think about grief, we're forever changed by the loss of the loves in our life. And even in, yeah. in situations where we experience loss, that it may not be love. It may be a loss of a job or a loss of a relationship that we mm-hmm. had wanted. It's still dealing mm-hmm. and processing those feelings. So I wonder, um, have you ever uh, talked with somebody like a counselor, a pastor, a friend about these feelings, or are you still too early in to even think about that? Well, I've talked to friends about it. Oh, okay. All right. Mark, how would you help 
Tracy with oh, this. Oh, Tracy, I can't imagine the unbearable pain that you are experiencing right now. Um, just the sense of mm-hmm. loss, loss of, yeah, may, maybe even yeah. identity here of, you know, we have a, a, mm-hmm. a spousal type identity when, when, we're, when we're with someone, especially, and then also a caregiver type identity when you've gone through what you've you've gone through here mm-hmm. caring from him mm-hmm. and so all that loss and it hits at once mm-hmm. and so you know yeah. that you're in you're in grief um mm-hmm. grief is really really hard and unfortunately we can't mm-hmm. skip grief um it's the way yeah. uh, that we've been designed to get to healing it's kind of like sometimes when we need a surgery <laughs> and you just have to go mm-hmm. through the hurtful painful process yeah. Yeah. and, and right. eventually it gets better but here's here's what i would say mm-hmm. yeah you you it sounds like you're depressed here you're really sad you've lost some weight and that happens and, and sometimes somebody's sadness is, is so big that they may mm-hmm. temporarily need to go on an antidepressant just to kind of lift their mm-hmm. mood and 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 get them so that they can get to the next stage. Is that something that you've ever thought about? No, not really. Mm-hmm. So that that might be something to think about, um, at least just mm-hmm. to check in with your doctor, tell, tell him, mm-hmm. her, how much mm-hmm. weight that you've mm-hmm. lost, because sometimes that could be really significant mm-hmm. here. Um, and, and, mm-hmm. and, and the reason why I wouldn't wait too long is because antidepressants take several weeks for them to work. And so sometimes I hear people mm-hmm. who say, well, when it gets really bad, then I'll do it. But the thing is, is when it gets really bad, mm-hmm. now you've got several more weeks of it being really, really awful. Um, mm-hmm. And typically a psychiatrist would start you on a lower dose mm-hmm. too and titrate mm-hmm. you up to what you need. So it's something that I would think about. The other thing that um, I, I would do is go to a grief group. Go to a group where mm-hmm. others get it. They know what you're going through. They're feeling the same pain. Some of them may be a stage ahead of you in grief. Some of them may be a stage behind mm-hmm. you. And that way you help each mm-hmm. other together because the most detrimental thing mm-hmm. that can happen to you is you go and you find a group of folks and they dismiss and they minimize your pain and they just tell you to think about happy thoughts and they don't get it. Yeah. So w- when right. others are going through the same thing with you, you're less likely to get that and you share in your pain together and you heal together. Yeah, Grief Share is a great um, organization. They meet in churches all over the country. Griefshare.org is where you can find a local um, group. But, uh, you know, it takes time, Tracy, but I love what Mark and Alice have suggested. And we, we, we're going to send you a copy of the Life Recovery Workbook on grief, too, because that will help you. The mm-hmm. idea is to process the feelings, mm-hmm. to let them out, to share mm-hmm. the memories, to talk mm-hmm. about the struggles that you had, even in caregiving. It's all part of moving mm-hmm. those things through so that you're not carrying all of those feelings. And it can be hard mm-hmm. to do that because it brings up pain. But it's the yeah. process. You don't want to shut that down. You don't want to lock it away somewhere. And um, I know mm-hmm. a lot of people are like, they're like, I'm not going to a grief group because then I don't want to hear everybody else's stuff. But it's so powerful to hear mm-hmm. somebody else's because you're like, me too. I totally am yeah. right there. And it's it'll be a powerful part and, of your And if feeling. you don't, let me add this too. If you don't do grief right, you can get stuck mm-hmm. in the stages of grief. For years. That goes back to that, so, that yeah, learned helplessness, right, right? Exactly. So doing yeah. the yeah, really, really processing it correctly can can really, really help you get to the well, acceptance stage. We will be praying for you, Tracy, and we're gonna send you that copy of the life recovery um, workbook for grief and uh, 
I just, you know, it's such a, it's a hard thing. Grief is something that we will all experience in our lifetime. It is, you don't get away without experiencing that. Um, but it can be a powerful healing journey as well. And so we don't want you to get stuck. We're so grateful that you called and we'll be praying for you in this situation. We're going to go back to the calls. We're going to talk to Stephanie, who's calling us from Shreveport, listens on the app. You can listen on the app too. You can download it wherever you get your apps. Uh, Stephanie, how can we help you today? We're so glad you called. Hi, thank you for my call. And I've been listening to you all for a long time, and you've been of great help. And I uh, am looking forward to getting um, some individual help today. (laughs) Um, Okay. The reason for my call, yes, the reason for my call is I've been in a long, happy engagement. Um, It's been truly wonderful. Um, we both are going through some empty nest things, you know, now as well. We were waiting for our children to go to college and become uh, adults on their own before we moved forward into our marriage. And in doing that, um, I, I think one of us has some cold feet. I had gone on a vacation with a girlfriend, and that seemed to trigger him into having cold feet and wondering if um, this is really what he wants because I haven't really traveled that much before and I, for some reason it really triggered him and we have talked about how you know we don't really have good examples of um, good marriages in our families we both come from families with controlling marriages Um, And so we want to get on the right track and we're sort of stuck and I need your help in how to move forward with positive and open and honest communication with what we want in a marriage. Stephanie, over the break, be considering whether or not your travel was reminiscent of something he went through with his ex-wife in a previous relationship. Maybe there's that historical story that's coming up for him now. It's okay. good that you're asking the question, Stephanie. You know, um, it, it, we want to be prepared as we can be. Um, not that you're ever prepared for everything that marriage brings, um, but it sure does pay to explore all of those things, whether it's cold feet, wet feet, or, you know, just, I don't know, stuck feet. It could be that. But we're going to help you when we get back after this. We're so glad you called. We'll be right back. To find out more information about New Life or to order any of the resources mentioned on today's program, call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. Now back to New Life Live. Welcome back. I always say tell somebody about New Life because it could change their life. Uh, you can uh, just you could forward them a link to the app like uh, Stephanie's listening on the app. We're talking with Stephanie. She's looking at a... A new relationship. I mean, they've been together for, I don't know how long, Stephanie, how long have you guys been together? Six years. Okay, six years. And so now you're looking at, okay, he might be getting some cold feet as you think about engagement. Now, Alice asked you a question. Um, I don't know if you remember it. Uh, Alice, let's go with you first. So any historical similar situations that come to mind, Stephanie, for either one of you that might have led to his dis- his feeling unsettled about this now? Um, no, not that I'm aware of. I will I will definitely ask him. I, I think it could be a matter of just feeling like he's losing control of the relationship, um, maybe to a sense. I, I honestly don't know. That's 
but I, we're definitely in a stuck situation and not sure how to move forward. Are you receiving structured help in counseling or coaching? I am, yes, individually. And have you two done some sessions together? No, we haven't. Uh, we're discussing that. Yeah, so Stephanie, I think this is the perfect time to do premarital. Um, you both have been married before, so it's not your first rodeo. You know what um, kinds of things to expect. Um, and I think as you do the premarital too, I, I think you guys should also explore um, doing an autopsy on your prior marriages. If you don't do an autopsy on your prior marriages, you bring the dead body of that marriage into your new marriage. And so that's really, really important to understand what was the decline, what was the breakdown, what did you learn from those things. Here's the thing that I would also challenge you with, because it sounds like you guys have been dating for a long time and you've had this expectation, okay, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and now it, now it's time. One thing I think that you might have to consider here too is are you ready to let the relationship go if he's ultimately not ready? Yes. Okay. That's what I've been trying to decide. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's a good place to start from. And so I would invite him in to do premarital counseling. And if he doesn't want to do it, I, I think you, you have every right to say, you know, I've waited these six years. And, and I think if you're not ready, then let's part ways. His willingness to participate will be very revealing mm-hmm. because if you both come from controlling backgrounds and that's coming up in him right now, if he's the kind of man who wants to work on it, figure it out so that he can move ahead with you, that's a great sign. If he's resistant, I'd be concerned. I'd put the brakes on too. I think that's great. We're going to we're going to send you a copy of How We Love because mm-hmm. I think that can also be really helpful for both of you and uh Stephanie, you'll have to call us back to let us know what the mm-hmm. results were because uh this is a big this is a big decision but I uh, you know, I hope you don't bring any dead bodies into the new marriage yeah. like Mark said. We are going to go and talk with Beth who's calling us from Boston and it's her first time calling. We're so glad you did. Beth, how can we help you today? Hey, thank you so much for taking my call. I'm calling about a young man in his late teens who apparently began inappropriately touching his sister when she was about four, and he would have been six or seven. That has continued. He then began touching his uh, little sister's best friend. Um, It came to light somewhat, and the parents refused to acknowledge it. Um, at some point, the daughter was um, whipped with a belt, um, mm. and now we're at the point where um, the, the friend is no longer being touched because that family has moved out of state. Um, the sister, apparently, is no longer being attached in those really overt ways because uh, it came to light the parents sat down with their son and daughter and said, cut it out, made him apologize to her. And so that which was really obvious stopped, but the that which is less obvious, oh, sorry, that was an accident, mm. um, has not stopped and, in fact, has continued now to other people. And my question mm. is twofold. One, clearly a little boy at the age of six or seven who starts touching his little sister in inappropriate ways. Little boys don't come up with that on their own. I'm concerned about what might have happened to this young man. Number one. Number two, what resources are out there um, for help 
for the young man. There are resources for girls, and these two girls are accessing those resources. But how do we get this young man help? Simply turning him into the authorities um, may stop some of the behavior, but ultimately that's not going to get him actual help because he's a decent kid. I would never have suspected this of him. But this is where we're at, and he's going to be turning 18 soon. Um, So I'm concerned on lots of different levels in front. Yeah. Okay, Beth, we've only got a couple minutes, but I think we can um, get you pointed in the right direction. My first question, though, before you guys answer is, Beth, do you, are you a neighbor, a family member? How are you connected with him? I am a life coach for the daughter's best friend, so one of the okay. girls. Okay. Um, Mark, let's start with you. Yeah, I think you've got some good intuition going on here. I mean, that's very early to be doing those kinds of behaviors. It's it's too developmentally early for sexual feelings for a kid at six or seven years old. And so generally yeah. when, when kids do this, it's a reenactment. They're reenacting something that typically has happened to them. I'm concerned that the parents are so dismissive about this. Yeah. I don't want to jump to a conclusion here, but sometimes when when it's that way, it's because the the abuse is happening inside the family and the, there's a hiding that's happening yeah. here. Um, but I, I, you, when you're talking about turning him in, I think really we kind of have a responsibility here to help him get help. And it's not, it's not about getting him in trouble. It's really about revealing what may have happened to him so that he can have the right access to help because um, – He's going to be 18 soon, but he, he, his parents really are the ones to be able to push him into, um, in, into recovery or, or a healing process right now. But once he turns 18, that's going to be completely up to him. So you may just have a little bit left of a timeline to be able to alert authorities to get this young man some help. And, and I'm, yes, I'm, and that, that's already in progress, and okay. the parents will have nothing to do with this. They completely mm-hmm. deny it. Yeah. So the, the system may need to be shaken up by the intervention of the authority figures because they're not willing to. So I know your, your, your heart is soft and understanding for mm-hmm. the boy, but um, the consequences have to come in order to protect the other children and in order Absolutely. to push the parents to re- receive help because they're not willing to. How frightening for this, this family. Um, and so yeah. it really has to go hand in hand. And it doesn't sound like you're hesitating on making the report that's already happened. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. You're asking specifically, Beth, for resources, and we we can send you, I mean, Every Young Man's Battle would be a great way to start, and once he turns 18, he could go to Every Man's Battle, the intensive, for the weekend, and either way, this has been a long journey. Um, he's he's not out of the woods yet, and for a lifelong struggle that he's had, we need to help him. But he, uh, he, Alice, he needs oh, counseling, this boy. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. There's so much that, and I don't know what he's got going on. Alice, I think you were going to say one more thing before I jumped in there. Uh, just that when when we lean into mercy, it can keep us from taking the right steps that do bring about that consequence. And consequence is part of the answer. As painful as it is to allow, that is what wakes us up. That's what can turn us around. But it's both consequences and the therapeutic help that are needed. 
Yes, and it's very powerful for the victims to know that someone heard their cry for help. And, and we want to be there not to, you know, make it a bigger deal. But man, we got we to gotta get the help that we can for each of these people. Thanks so much for listening. We hope something you heard will help you live in freedom today. If this content was helpful for you, we would love it if you take a minute, leave us a review, post about it, and rate it. Remember, we have resources and workshops online for you as you continue your journey. Go to newlife.com and find out more information. And thank you for being part of the New Life community. We know that God desires all of us to live a life of wholeness and healing. And we're so glad that you're here.